Okay. Good morning, everyone. Please grab a seat. If you have a Bible, please go to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, uh, second book in our Bible, chapter 34. Chapter 34, we will get there uh, momentarily. First off, um, thank you for those who have been praying for us on uh, Friday, a couple of days ago. The leadership team from the church were away for a day, and we were spending time thinking and praying and talking about what was next for us as a church, the next season, having done our sort of our first 10 years and then COVID and then moving what the next season. We had a fantastic time. So thank you for those who pray for us. Uh, we still got some work doing kind of distilling about all the things, but God was with us and it was a really productive time. And we look forward to sharing some of that stuff with you in the future. So thank you for your prayers. Just And also next Sunday, um, we've got baptisms, which is going to be exciting. I think maybe eight people. We're still working on it, um, some of the teenagers uh, and stuff like that. So that's going to be exciting. So that's next Sunday. Please come to that. And baptism is obviously the highlight, but just to let you know, there'll be pizza. Yeah, lots of it too. So please come, baptism, celebrate with us, and then stay after us, and we'll have pizza uh, for everyone. Okay, new sermon series. We started this last week um, when we, we weren't here because we couldn't meet here because of all that scaffolding they were putting up. So we had to go to the URC church and we met in a different time, in a different place, but we were the same church, worshipping the same God. Uh, and we've got this new sermon series called His Name. This year, we started at the beginning of the year, we did the whole book of Leviticus, looked all the way through that. Then following that, we did one chapter. We looked at 1 Corinthians 15, looking at uh, what Paul was talking about, the resurrection. And now we're zeroing into one verse. So our summer sermon series is we're going to zoom down and take time looking at one verse uh, in the Bible. And this verse that we're looking for, why have we picked this one? And that is because scholars tell us that this verse is the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible that is alluded to and quoted to elsewhere as we read our Bible. And so we're going to have a look at that. If you've missed kind of last week's sermon, please catch up and it will fill in some of the, uh, the blanks. I won't recap everything. But just a quick reminder of the story so far is uh, in our Bible, we had the book of Genesis, which begins our Bible. God creates the heavens and the earth. Then he comes to a man named Abraham and he says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make your name great. And Abraham has a son called Isaac, who has a son called Jacob, who has 12 sons, who then move down to Egypt, and they multiply into a great nation. That kind of ends out Genesis, moves us into Exodus. Beginning of Exodus is another 400 years ahead, and we have this family of Abraham, which is now a mighty nation. But Pharaoh, who is uh, the ruler of Egypt, enslaves the people because he fears them. God then raises up a leader called Moses who will go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And we have the famous story of plagues uh, and the parting of the Red Sea and the people of Israel, people of God, come out of slavery in Egypt. And they come into the wilderness and there God meets them on the mountain and he makes a covenant with them, which is a solemn agreement. And God says, I will be your God. I will, be, I will watch over you. I will fulfill my promise to Abraham to give you a land and bless you. And in return, people are to follow God's rules, God, follow God's laws, follow God's commands. And we have the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. So all good so far. And God says, I will put my presence among you. And they build a tabernacle, uh, which is the place, the tent where God's presence will dwell. So everything is going good. But then, of course, the people of God being the people of God make massive mistakes. And we have the golden calf incident in Exodus 32. 
where they make a golden calf and worship it, breaking the first two commandments by having no other god and making idols. So they basically, after everything going so well, spectacularly fail. The Lord reacts and says, we've just made a covenant and you've messed it up. Moses then tries to intercede for the people and say, Lord, don't, you know, don't wipe us out because we've messed up. And uh, the Lord relents to him, but he says, you can go to the land. I will give you the land that I promised, but my presence won't go with you. And Moses again intercedes for them, and then the Lord relents and says, because of you, Moses, and your faithfulness, I will go with you. And then at that point, Moses asked the Lord to reveal himself to him. And said, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And this is where we get to our section in the book of Exodus that we're going to read. And we've got a couple of verses I want to focus on. And what we're going to do is we're going to read it together. So if I just move to the side. I'm going to put it up there. And this is it. This is the whole passage. And I'm going to go one, two, three. And then we are going to read uh, the passage together. Ready? You don't look ready. I'm just... I'm just saying that from the point of view of my confidence in here. So here we go. One, two, three. Well done. All right. What we're going to do, though, is for the rest of this series, we're going to zero in on one particular bit. I've covered all of that in last week's sermon, so you can catch up and get that if you're interested. But let's just look at verse 6, because for the remainder of this series that runs us through the summer, we're just going to look at this verse. And what we're going to look at are the attributes or the characteristics of God that are named in this verse, where it says, The Lord, the Lord, is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness and that's what we're going to look at because one of these things is the Lord the the God of the Old Testament is sometimes given a bad rap like he's somehow different to what we read in our New Testament but actually that couldn't be further from the truth and this revelation of God given right at the beginning of our Bibles talks about who God is in his fundamental nature and so we are going to look at that and we're going to focus in on that and today we're going to be looking at the first one which is merciful so we're going to be just looking at a word about God and what it means to us. So, big idea for this morning is that the Lord is a loving parent whose posture towards his children is one of devoted care. The Lord is a loving parent whose posture towards his children is one of devoted care. Now, I don't know if any of you have had uh, children of your own or been around small children, grand uh, kids or nieces or nephews, but when uh, we had um, our first child, it was a little bit of uh, a strange time for me because we got pregnant, but I've never been a baby person. I know that's hard to believe. But I haven't been. It's just like babies come in and some people go cuckoo, don't they? A baby, a baby comes in in a pram, someone, and suddenly you can see the people because they suddenly clock, there's a baby in the room. doesn't matter who the baby is or where the baby's come from or who's responsible for the child. They gravitate like a magnet towards it. Not me. Never been like that. So 
when we got pregnant uh, and we we're having it, one of the things I was kind of processing in mind was when this child, didn't know if it was a boy or a girl at the time, arise, how am I going to react to that? What's, you know, I'm sure, you know, we wanted it, we thought it was right, I love my wife, but I was trying to love something that I didn't even, I'd never met, didn't know what it was. And then Levi arrived in the delivery room in the Rosie in Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge, and the midwife gave him to me. And at that point, everything changed. Everything changed. I knew that I loved God. I knew that I loved my wife. And suddenly, a child came to me, my son. And I remember just thinking, I am undone. I'm just, that's it. It's over. I am now a baby person. And this one is it. And I will do anything for this child to nurture, to grow, to love, protect, and that was it. I was undone, and it was a beautiful moment for me, and we enjoyed having it. But then a little while later, we got pregnant again, and Mel was pregnant. And as we were doing that and processing, I went through dilemmas again. It's almost like, Lord, I've got my space in my life where I love you. I've got my space in my life where I love my wife, and I've got my space in my life where I love my child. Now you're, you're doubling one of those up, okay, I've only got one God. I've only got one wife. You'll be pleased to know. You're now adding a child. So I've almost like, my child bit is tapped out. I've maxed out on Levi. He is, he's everything when it comes to the children bit in my life. What do I do with another one? You know? And so I was kind of going through this in my mind. And then we had another son named Asher. And he was born just down the road in Good Hope. And again, the midwife, the child was born and the midwife gave him to me straight away, and guess what? My heart doubled in size straight away. It's suddenly like, I'm not just a baby person, I'm a two baby person now, because Ash has just been added to our family, and my heart was just undone for this tiny little bundle. He wasn't that tiny, he was 10'6", but you know, this tiny little bundle that they had given to me. And as we go through this, I want you to remember that, because this is how God views us. And we will see as we go forward. And we're going to look at this word, merciful. And the first thing is, let's look at the word. The word merciful in this list that describe God appears first, which is significant. When they list things in the Bible, what comes first is important. When they list the disciples, who comes first? Every time. Peter. Why? Because he was the leader he was the one that we we more about. I'm not saying the others weren't significant, but there was, a, there was an order to it, and Peter is the one who's named first, and there's a significance to that. And the same with here. God is merciful, and it is a, uh, a Hebrew word, and it can be translated as a noun, either mercy or compassion. In some translate, it can be uh, translated as an adjective, merciful or compassionate, or a verb, to show mercy or to feel compassion. So that's how it can turn up in um, our Bible. And this is a staggering word that we can lose with the passing of the centuries and in our modern 21st century culture. Because at the time in the ancient Near East, gods were not considered merciful. And we looked at gods last week, small g, and what that means and how the God of Israel is the God and above them all. But when people thought of gods, they did not think of mercy. The gods back then were fickle, vindictive, angry, spiteful, selfish, and spoilt, and liable to fly off the handle. They needed to be appeased with sacrifices. If you read anything of the Greek myths, which is not too dissimilar time difference, 
that's what they came across as. We read in the, um, the story of the siege of Troy that was happening not to another part of the world but not too different time that the Agamemnon was going to leave the Greek ships across the sea to Troy because the Helen had gone, da 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 but there was no wind blowing. The ships couldn't sail. So they decide, the gods are angry. What do we do? I'll sacrifice my daughter, and then the wind started to blow because the gods needed to be appeased. The gods were angry. They were stroppy. So we kill someone, and we get the wind. We can go fight the battle. That's how people view the God. But in contrast to that, we have the Lord revealing himself to Moses and to his people and also to us that he says straight off the bat, I am merciful. Now, what is this word? This is an emotional word. It comes from the Hebrew word meaning womb of a female, from the very core of his being. And so when God says he's merciful, it comes from very much inside him And you've got that image of a mother with a child that she is carrying. And so when God is merciful, he is that loving parent. And we see this outworked in the famous story of Solomon, uh, the wisest man um, who lived outside Jesus, the king of Israel, son of David. And his wisdom, he asked God, God said, you can have anything. And he said, I want wisdom to rule and lead your people. And God says, fine, you can have it. And there's that story where the two women come to him and say this is my child there were two children one died there's one left and they both say this child belongs to me what does the king do how does he decide is the baby can't speak you've got two women both saying anything there's no other evidence no dna no nothing you just got the word for him so what does he do he says the soldier who's standing there give me your sword i will cut the baby in half and you can have half each to which one woman says great let's do that to the other woman, it says in 1 Kings 3, 26, then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned, same word, for her son. There was something in her that said, that cannot happen. My child being carved in two, I will give the child to the other woman because of her emotional response and saying her, her love for that child. He said, no, to which Solomon then says, you must be the mother you can have the child. And this mercy of God is not a clinical, dispassionate thing. It is something based on raw emotion that comes from the very heart of God, something from deep inside him. And it gives us the image of a parent. So when God, when Moses says to God, reveal your glory to me, and God comes down and said, I'll show you my name, which is about his identity, the first thing he said is, I am merciful. And you have the picture of a parent holding their newborn child and I know for some of you this will be a difficult thing to wrap your head around because of your own experience of your parents and you might have had parents who were distant or absent or fault-finding or even abusive but God as a parent is different to all of them even if you had a good example of a parent God is still greater and better than that he is a loving merciful parent and here's some words I just want to some verses I'm just going to read out you might want to note them down and look them up later but it says this in Isaiah 49 15 it says can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion same word on the son of her womb what is the implied answer no no a woman can't forget her child She can't not have compassion on her son. 
Even these may forget, yet the Lord says, I will not forget you. I will not forget you. You are my child. I am for you. I have compassion on you. I am merciful towards you. It says, Psalm 103, verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children. There's that word again. As a father is merciful to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The Lord is a merciful God, which means he has, when he thinks about you, there is an emotional response from the core of his being of a parent who loves their child. And he views you as a son, a daughter, dearly loved by him, and his heart is moved towards you. But as well as it being an emotional word, it's also a word that compels actions. Because you meet lots of people who can have, have it be emotional, but this word of the Lord actually compels him to do something, which is a step on, because you've seen people who get upset about things or angry about things, but actually nothing changes. The Lord is different. His heart, his mercy towards us causes him to act. And the two, two of the key ways we see that working out in the Bible is, firstly, forgiveness of sin. God's mercy and his heart towards his children, towards his people, is that he will forgive them when they mess up. He will forgive them when they make mistakes. He will forgive them when they get things wrong and they turn to him in repentance. Psalm 51 verse 1 says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot, blot out my transgression. So this is David. He is asking for forgiveness. And if you know the psalm, he's asking forgiveness for pretty big things. Adultery and murder. And he's crying out to God. And what's he basing his cry on? His goodness. I'll, I'll get my life sorted out. I'll deal with this problem. I'll work harder. No, he is basing it purely on the abundant, it says, mercy of God. He's coming back to his Father in heaven and saying, God, based on your mercy towards me, forgive me for my sin. Daniel 9, verse 9 says this, To the Lord our God belong mercy, there's our word, and forgiveness. For we've rebelled against him. So the question is, first one is, who does mercy and forgiveness belong to? The Lord, the God of Israel. But what is it linked with? God's mercy is linked to his forgiveness, and in response to the people's rebellion, they cry out for it, and God is swift to forgive. He is swift to turn to them. And then we find this in Nehemiah 9.17. See if you can spot it. See if you can spot it. It says, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their necks and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. So context there. Nehemiah's looking back to the part of the Bible we're reading. The people of God are stiff-necked and rebellious. You ever been stiff-necked and rebellious? 
Oh, that was deafening silence there. You want to know, I won't answer that in case I incriminate myself with my answer. Yes, we all have been sinning, but what happens? It says God is ready to forgive. Why? Because he's merciful. In fact, Nehemiah goes the whole hog and lists the whole lot of those things that we've been reading in Exodus 34, 6. And it says at the end there, he did not forsake them. Can a father, can a mother forsake their children? No, and God will not forsake his people. So he, his mercy brings about forgiveness. The next thing, it begins about uh, deliverance from suffering. His, his mercy is compassion towards his people, and he seeks to deliver them from suffering. Psalm 116 says this, verse 4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. When everything was falling apart, when the psalmist, everything was over him, he cried out to the Lord. He remembered that God is merciful. He was brought down, brought low, it says, but the Lord intervened. And saved him. What happens when we call on the name of the Lord? He comes and he saves. Isaiah 49, verse 13, it says, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. Why? For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion, there's our word, on his afflicted. Why should the people of God sing? Why should they shout aloud? Why should the mountains join in? Because the Lord comes to comfort his people because of his mercy and compassion towards them when they are in affliction, when they are suffering, when they are a mess. And so what this tells us is that the Lord's mercy is towards his people. It is an emotional word. God's response to you is not indifference. It causes something to happen from inside, from the very inners the very womb of his being and he looks upon you with mercy and love and he is swift to forgive and he is swift to deliver and save this is not something that is dragged begrudgingly from him it's not something you have to come to him and beg for it's something that he willingly gives and no matter how you've been as a child of God no matter what's gone on, how far you've gone, mistakes you've made. God loves you as a parent would a child, and he is for you. Now, let's move into our New Testament. This, this aspect of God's character is perfectly played out in the person of Jesus Christ, which should not be a surprise to us because as well as being fully man, Jesus was also fully God. And Jesus shows that mercy or compassion of God over and over again through his ministry. He represents the heart of God to his people. He sh clearly shows what God is like. If you're ever, ever lost at what God looks like, look at Jesus. And this is not something new, like some new development. Jesus comes on the screen and it's like, oh, it's all new now. Got a different God? No, because we've seen in our Old Testament it's the same one. Jesus comes, and we looked last week at John 1.14 about how John uses this verse to allude. This is Jesus. He's come as God to us to show it. And God shows, Jesus, sorry, shows his mercy. He shows it in many ways. First one, he shows it as a parent. Luke 13.34, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
which is the capital of God's people, represents the people of God. That city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. So Jerusalem's bad. How often would I have gathered you, your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus comes and saying, I want you to come to me and rest under the shadow of my wings like a mother hen who protects her chicks. I don't know if you've ever seen this. When the boys were small, we just took, took them to those little farms, petting farms, you know, where you got like the baby animals and they got to see them and it was all dead cute. I remember once we were there and we saw the little chicks, which were super fluffy and cheapy, and they were like little yellow and cheep, 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 and they were all running around. And of course, because we turn up, six foot of me, I block out the sun, you know, holding Levi's hand, they all like crumbs, a giant, so they all hide. Where do they go? They all go into mama, who's there, and they all suddenly disappear under her under her um, wings, and Levi's like, Daddy, we're chicks. I'm like, yeah, sorry, buddy, I, you know, scared them. And so we stood and waited, and then what you saw is the chick peek out, under, out from under the wing. Cheep, cheep, you know, looking, and I'm like, there's a chick, there's a chick. And of course, Levi's like, chick! And then the pip's like, I'm not staying there, smaller giant, and they hides. But that's what Jesus is like. Jesus said, I want to gather you up. I want to protect you. I want you close to me. I love you, and I'm for you. And he's saying it to a people who are not great, they kill the prophets and they stone people. But that is God's heart towards us as a parent. I love you, I want you to come to me. He has mercy towards those who are lost. He says this in Matthew 9, 35, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Then he saw the crowds and he had compassion, same word there, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Those who are in spiritual need, who just, what do I go? Where do I go? What do I do? Jesus is saying, he has compassion for you. Because the lost, people who just, they're out there. They're trying to find their way. They're trying to find something. He says, I love them. I have mercy towards them. What about those who are, who are in physical need? He says this, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion, there it is, on the crowd because they've been with me three days and they've got nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. The heart of God, he wants to meet physical needs there. What about those who are physically ill, who have ailments? And it says, and the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, uh, said to him, if you will make me clean. And it says this, moved with pity. There's that same expression there. Moved with compassion, moved with mercy. So he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I will be clean. The heart of God represented in Christ shows this aspect of his character perfectly. And Jesus showed mercy and compassion on, on his people, on those who were lost, on those who were hurting, on those who were broken, on those who were outcasts, on those who were suffering, Physical needs, emotional needs, everything. Those who are sick, it is all what God is about. This is his heart towards us as his people. So now let's look at the last bit. How do we kind of respond to that? What do we do with that? We've kind of talked about what God's like. We've seen it perfectly embodied in Christ. What do we do? Well, the first thing we're to do is we are to receive that mercy we to acknowledge that that is what God is like, to know him as merciful. We need to adjust our thinking on this. 
We can often get, we get wrong ideas about God that aren't based on his word. They're based on external things that might happen to us or things people say or culture or news. Actually, we need to understand who God is only based on what he says about himself, what he has revealed to us in his word. And he has revealed to us that he is merciful. And this comes from his very core, his very insides. And this is perfectly uh, and, uh, shown in the cross. Jesus came, he was fully God and fully man, and he lived that life. And then he demonstrated that as he went around with those who were hurting and those who were broken. But then, at the end of his life, he showed the ultimate act of mercy when he died in our place for our sins and suffered what we should have on the cross. We were the ones in need of mercy. Jesus didn't need it, but he showed it to us. He died and he rose again bodily from death. He visited his followers, revealed himself to them, and then gave them a commission to say, you go tell everyone else of this fantastic news. That is the ultimate act of mercy from God. So we are to respond ourselves. If you're not a believer here, I'd love you today to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Respond to a merciful God who loves you, who is for you. For us as believers, we are to take this on. We are to let it shape our thinking and then we are to pass it on to others because Jesus himself said this, Luke 6, 36. Very simple. He said, be merciful even as your father is merciful. So you know what God's like. You've seen this characteristic at work. You know what's in his being. We are then to receive that because he's merciful to us. We are then to pass that on to others pass that on to others. So let me suggest a few things and then we'll land the plane and worship. What I'd love you to do out of this is I'd love you to learn this verse. I know some of you have already started. I know some of you um, in your life groups have been doing this, but Exodus 34 verse 6. I'd love you to learn it for yourself. If you really, even if that's too much, just get the end bit where it's a God merciful, gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Learn it. When we memorize scripture and we learn it, it shapes us. It transforms us. It teaches us stuff. It's something that we will always have with us because we know it. And we're going to go through each of these kind of characteristics over the next few weeks. Today we've landed on merciful, but learn them. Get scripture in you. And if I, you know, differentiate the homework, if you think you can do that, add verse 5 in and then add verse 7 at the end. And you've got a little bit of a, gives the story a little bit more context. But do that. Learn this verse. Dwell on this characteristic. Meditate on it this week. If you've got a journal or a diary or a phone or one of those, write a page out and write at the top, merciful. Mercy, to have mercy compassion, compassionate, to have compassion, and just let it percolate in you this week. Think about it. Think about when God has shown it to you. Where are areas in mind? Ask the Lord by the Holy Spirit to remind you these things. Reveal it to you. Focus your mind on it. Because it's been funny that when I've been preparing this over the last few weeks and kind of getting ready, and I've been reading my Bible, I've been praying through the Psalms, it's amazing where I find it. Because it's like, I'm now thinking about it, so I suddenly see it more, and so I can praise God more for what he's done. So maybe try that this week. Write it out. If you really want to go deeper with this, I found a book that um, 
kind of on this subject that might help you. And this is a book that I have. It's, it's an interesting Christian book because I've actually read it cover to cover twice. And there aren't many that I've done that. Um, but this one I read through. I thought it was so good. But I, realized, I thought I've missed something here. I haven't got it all. So I stopped, waited a few months, and then read it slowly. And this is called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And this is a fantastic study of the whole mercy of God and his love of God for a parent. And if you want to go a bit deeper, I thoroughly recommend this book. It's by Dane Ortland. I've got three copies here, so if you want one, please come. Uh, well, you stick your hand up, and I will give you a copy of these books. Thank you. One there, one. Anyone else? Yeah, two. Last one. Jump it out. Stick your hand up. And if you want a copy and you haven't got one, please come and grab me. I will get you a copy. And last thing, three questions for you. Just to think about, why don't you stand, band come up, and I'm going to pray these over you as we finish. Do you want to just close your eyes, open your hands, and we will pray. Holy Spirit of God, would you come fill us now? Would you open our hearts to receive you and I just want to ask you three questions prayerfully and I want you to answer them yourself before the Lord before the merciful God who has compassion on you the first one is do you know God as a loving parent do you know that is that something you could affirm and say yes, and I understand revelation grow and we get more and more, but actually as a fundamental, have you experienced that? Because if you haven't, I'd love to pray with you today, I'd love to talk with you, I'd love you to talk with a friend and just say, pray for me of that, let's study scripture together till I get that. Second question is, where do you need mercy today? If God is merciful, which he is, and he loves you as a parent loves a child, where do you need to cry out for mercy? Is it in affliction because you need a situation change? Is it in forgiveness because you know you've done something? Is it because there is a need in your life that actually, God, I just need you to move here because it's, I need you to come and help me in this situation? And the final one is, who can you show mercy to? And those last two aren't mutually exclusive. You can't like, when I've got it, then I can pass it on to others. It doesn't work like that. We do it all, all at the same time. And so the question is, who can you show mercy to? Who can you pass this on to? Who can you share this Bible verse with? Who can you practically show some mercy to? Because you know you need to forgive someone or help them out. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are, have revealed yourself to us. In your word, we thank you, you've real, revealed yourself in Christ. We thank you that you are a God who is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Lord God, we pray you make that real to us now. We pray that you grow that in our heart, Lord. Let us know you as a loving parent who is for us, who gathers us together under the shadow of his wings. We love you, we praise you. God's people said.